Oh my goodness, heavenly goddesses and gods above, below, and in between. We have a, a super wonderful episode of a fairly queer podcast for y'all unicorns and lovely doves out there. Sam, are you feeling the excitement? I'm feeling, I'm feeling the excitement. I'm feeling the energy. We have a very special guest for everyone today. Yes. Uh, we are super excited to have this very special guest on. I've wanted him on the podcast for a while. It just took me a, a little bit of time dragging my ass to actually message him on Instagram. But he agreed, and we are very excited to introduce our special guest today. So take it away, Jeremy. Yes, we have with us the fantasy the vision, and the overall lovely, uh, lovely Daryl Thorne. So Daryl is someone we've known out and about from uh, the performance art scene and the, uh, the also the radical fairy scene. So Daryl creates amazing makeup headpiece. From top of the crown to to the tip of the toes, uh, visual performance fantasies. And I did not know, and I am so proud as a radical fairy, that you have been all around the world with this stuff. You've been to Asia. You have been all around Europe. You have been to very um, LGBTQ uh, celebratory spaces such as the Life Ball mm. and um, terrific art galleries in Manhattan and beyond. So Daryl is known for the spectacular, mythological, fantasy, galactic um, works of art that he paints himself and his um, headpieces are detailed to the nines. They are spectacular. And Daryl, I first saw this at Fairy Witch Camp, which is what we like to call it here on a Fairly Queer podcast for a certain uh, uh, respectful confidentiality. Indeed. But Daryl, I was uh, I was smitten with everything the first time I saw you. So I just want to know a little bit of the overall like biography. Where did you where in the universe did you come from to get from <laughs> wherever you started from as baby queer unicorn into like fully doing these works that have been seen on music videos and works that have been seen in incredible places of art in the cities and in nature? Wow. Well, thank you guys, first of all, for having me. I'm very flattered and delighted to uh, chat with you. Um, and where where did it come from? I mean, that's a long, that's a long, <laughs> potentially very long. Babe, <laughs> this is your, this is your place. The curtain opens, baby, baby queer Daryl. <laughs> well, what I could say to shorten the life story um, is that, uh, I initially was interested in dance. Well, initially I was interested in interior design. I went to the Art Institute of Chicago for a year, then I dropped out. And then I got a job at the Schubert Theater in Chicago. Um, and the first day that I worked there, uh, Hubbard Street Dance Company was performing. Mm -hmm. And I'd never seen dance in my life. I was 20 years old. And I was like, immediate, I was like, wow, it, you know, it just was like, that's it. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. Like, that's. And so I immediately, basically that week, I went 
I started taking dance classes. I, I got, I just dove in. Um, and I danced really seriously for, you know, a few years, probably three, four years um, between Chicago and then LA, uh, working full time and then, you know, taking like 12 or 14 dance classes a week and like really trying to go for that thing. And at some point I just realized like, eh, this isn't gonna pan out. Like I don't have the natural facility that you kind of need to be a dancer to start that at that age, you know? Um, so then I quit dancing and I was all sad and depressed and what am I going to do and what's going to happen? And then I was like, I'll move to New York. So I did that um, with really no agenda at, at all, except I wanted to live here. Um, and then once I got to New York, then suddenly there's, you know, themed costume parties and there's a night club that has a whatever, a gold night. And so I just started doing like very, you know, very basic things that felt really exciting um but was just really going out and then Derek Jackson was an artist in the city at the time and he um actually I was at a, a fairy moment at at ha what was it had a gross had a gross Israeli drag character Hadassah Gross anyway totally in the fairy community in New York and like I was at some party there oh it was Easter and they were like you'll be Jesus and I was like okay <laughs> congratulations <laughs> you are Jesus now <laughs> I had the same I had the curly long hair at the time and but you know I was like a little twink version of Jesus at that time anyway he kind of plucked me up <laughs> from that and was like, let's do photo shoots together. So he started putting me in some kind of weird drag, kind of half drag or whatever his vision was. And we would do these little performance art moments around. Um, and I completely loved it. The first time I ever did drag was at the Wigstock in 2002 or three, 2003 probably. Um, and you know, I was just kind of hooked. And so from there, yeah. Once he left the city, I was like, that was so fun. Like, how do I keep doing it? Oh, I'll I'll do my own looks. And so really, I was just going out and exploring drag, gender bender drag, and just having fun. Um, and that kind of took me here. I just, at some point, uh, well, the, a pivotal moment happened when I was on 6th Avenue, walking up like around 20th street and someone had thrown out these uh, vertical blinds that were like aluminum vertical blinds and they were shiny yeah. and light. I was like, Ooh, I started bending them, took those home. And I was like, I want to make a metal wig. And so I made, <laughs> this Sounds like, dangerous. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so many things are. Um, so that was my first like headpiece moment. And then once that first, I don't know, I just, for whatever reason, the headpiece became something that I really wanted to dive into, and and it just kind of has grown from there. So you, yeah. So you said that you sort of started out considering yourself doing drag. Do you still? Because I, I know a lot of our listeners, um, language is very important to them sometimes, and I'm just curious. Yeah. 
do you consider what you do drag or performance art? Because I know that it, it's very unconventional for what I think a lot of people would consider drag. So what type of language do you tend to use to describe what, like how your stuff has um, progressed as you've uh, sort of elevated it throughout the years? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't think of it as drag. I don't, I don't call it drag. I mean, um, because now, you know, maybe more now than there used to be, I think there's such a specific idea of when someone right. says, I'm a drag queen. Well, I'm definitely not that. Um, I mean, I, and, and even when I was in the beginning phases and I was kind of, um, you know, I was do doing much more something like drag, but even then I never, like I a name, I never had a character that was different from right. myself. I it was like a heightened version of myself. Um, and I certainly never felt, I never like wanted to necessarily look like a woman necessarily, but I definitely wanted like heightened feminine attributes or, you know, or, or gender neutral, but really I, I recently said this in another podcast, um, but uh, having, the most extreme, like I wanted to be extremely feminine and extremely masculine, both together. Like that, that always was, I just thought super hot and amazing. And like, which you sometimes literally do. I've seen your half and half mirror illusion on right. Instagram. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I would say I'm a designer, I'm a performance artist. Um, but the truth is, I'm really not great at describing it I usually just say let me just show you some pictures <laughs> because yeah I think that's a real strength though to this um aesthetic that you've created because it really stands alone I I'm sure that if someone dove very deep they might find some some people with similarities but I I feel like you've sort of stamped your aesthetic in pop culture and uh, the queer sphere as well um, where people like relate things to you rather than you to things. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, I am curious though. So you've been doing this for a really long time as you've, uh, progressed with your, with your art, how have like the materials that you use changed? Like what, what were some like really important turning points? You mentioned like your metal wig, uh, that really solidified, the type of um, aesthetic that you want to have. I know that you use a lot of like, um, I think that they're like MRI sort of headpieces or something. Um, my mother had one when she was going through chemotherapy and I was like, oh, that's like a Daryl Thorne headpiece. Exactly you know what I'm talking about? So okay. like, what were some like big turning points where you were like, oh, like this can become something that I can use to make all sorts of different amazing looks? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, certainly that moment, uh, I worked um, at the hospital. I worked in healthcare for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I was an administrator in hospitals and a practice manager. And I worked in head and neck cancer. And um, at any rate, prior to that, I was building, first I was doing metal. And then I was literally building on those vertical blinds until they were all gone for a while. And then I was like getting other kinds of metal and putting some kind of padding underneath and building on hats. And, and then 
I did some, it was a Candyland, that was the party. Candyland, it was at Capital, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. It was a, maybe even longer, a while ago. And the theme was Candyland, and I was like, okay. And I found a kickball that was like orange and blue. It had like these swirly stripes on it. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I got a couple of those thinking I would make them into shoulder poofs or something. And then I realized, oh, I'll just cut it. And I cut it and just put it on my head. And it was like, it fit perfectly. It was great as just a look. And then I realized, oh, I can actually add on to that. So for a whole section of time, I was building all these like pretty large headpieces on kickballs that were just cut, go with my head. And I would stuff them with socks and t-shirts and whatever. And I did that for a while. And then when I was working at the hospital, someone was like, oh, take a look at this. This is what we use for the patients with radiation. And immediately that was like, okay, well, this is, um, it's just a brilliant material for a base. You yeah, it's like a great structure. It's good. And it's so lightweight and malleable and everything you need it to be. And and then it also, it, it then be kind of came be part of what I'm doing because so much of all of the facial elements that you can build on with crystal or adding trim or adding different um elements that make a, a mask that you know fits the face um so that's that was a huge moment and i've been using those things for at least 10 years maybe i don't know eight years something like that um another moment was mirrors you know i got i was really into metal for a long time and then once i then i at some point had like the mirror idea and so now it's like mirrors 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 everywhere i don't know what i mean i feel like the mirrors has so much performance there's so much performance opportunity to keep going with that because every you know you just change it and you can become whatever the the gemini versions of, of infinite dualities which i definitely want to continue exploring but in terms of design I don't know what's next, but hopefully something's going to come up. Um, I really got into uh, collecting things in nature over the past. I did a couple of long road trips. I did one a couple of years ago and picked things up. And I really love working with natural materials now. Like I'm really, I just think it's so beautiful. And I would. What natural materials specifically? I'm curious. Driftwood, um, pine cones, seed pods. Uh, any, basically anything that holds its structure after mm. it's done, basically. I mean, I wish, you know, I'd love to work with, there's so many beautiful dried things, but they're just too delicate. So it has to be something that that can hold up, you know. Um, but I, I'm very interested in making living headpieces, making living plant headpieces. Like that a bird, bird cage. <laughs> There's birds in it. And then it's literally living. <laughs> like living plants. And I, I haven't oh, quite interesting. I mean, there's air plants and moss, which I'm looking at. But um, I don't know. I just love the idea of putting a garden on your head and walking out the door. Oh, Jeremy would love that. <laughs> this is true because I guess Sam... Sam has the acumen to ask about the raw materials and the yeah. physical stuff. But like my, my personal relationship with meditating and um, uh, drinking in your work is that it's highly mythological and it's highly um, 
Like for me, there's such like a meta, a metaphysical and a spiritual dimension for me personally. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious about like how conscious that's been, you know, the interweaving with like uh, the community and your relationship to folks like radical fairies and people who have some sort of uh, whether it's spirituality or mythology or some kind of super conscious uh stream i'm so interested in that um development for you well i don't think it's you know it's interesting so many people um will look at something i'm wearing and and have all kinds of interpretations and you know people who do ayahuasca are like i've seen you i've seen you in my ayahuasca (laughs) what i mean not me specifically maybe but (laughs) I've I see heard, that, that thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I've never done ayahuasca. And people think, you know, people are like, oh, you must do this and that. Nope, I she don't. You must be a seriously woo-woo girl. <laughs> but I think that, and people also feel, oh, you're, you know, there's sacred geometry. And the, like all the people who are into these things often tell me that they see them <clears throat> in what I'm doing. But I am not into any of those things. I mean, I'm into all of it as like a fascinating, beautiful, I love, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, I haven't studied any of the things. There's no intention. There's no conscious. Um, I'm not consciously trying to manifest any of that. I think yeah. it comes out that way. And because I think I am, you know, probably in whatever, when I'm making something, I think it's coming from the same place that all of that stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow I certainly know and feel like the power of putting on something on your head for whatever reason when you put something fancy on your head people think you're amazing and that you're like in touch with something and I don't know maybe you are and maybe that's why you did it in the first place or maybe we're just really simple little monkeys and if you put something on your head it's like wow Mm-hmm. I love this. This and is that's real. Well, I that's I totally real. relate to this though. Um, some of like the artists that I respect most in the world, um, uh, they create works, but they do it because that's just what they do. It's it's in their their blood. It's in their nature to to create things, and then it is for their the the buyers of the artwork or the viewers of the artwork or the fans to extrapolate what they want out of it. Yeah, and I think um, there is also an element of I actually don't want to overthink. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really want to. I don't know. In some ways, you know, I'm not. I, I'm like a, a dropout from art school. I went for one year, and that's it. And now I'm actually looking at trying to sell my my work as art and which I, I have sold some um so i'm actually looking to kind of well not polish but but at least have a vocabulary that presents something that you know people want that story and the mm. truth is of course i have a story i just don't think i'm just like well it's just me so i you know i think the things that insp- if i just put together like what inspires me and why am i doing this then there's your answer. Um, yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that actually you're the second person to sort of say a, a similar thing. I was talking to my friend Howard, Howard uh, Deshan. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He goes to Furry Witch Camp too. He makes these incredible metal masks. Huh? 
uh, Morphe Henri on um, Instagram shout out. But he talks about like creating his masks. And I said, oh, well, if you want to sell these, like since they're animal masks, you could like come up with a little story about like each animal. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that because like it's for like other people to wear and like come up with their own narratives. Like it's not for me to decide how you are going to interpret my artwork. And I think that's such a refreshing perspective to come from. Now, when you say uh, you're trying to sell your work, um, I know that you've done some work for other people. Uh, Evie Oddly comes to mind. You did her headpiece for her, I think her crowning ceremony. Uh, do you mean like create work to like be featured in a gallery or for performance artists or both? No, what I mean is with the pandemic and with like the, you know, most of my, um, most of my income comes from performing and producing right. you know, larger events with a lot of dancers and whatever. Um, obviously, all that is gone. Uh -huh. And so, one, I, I financially, I need some kind of <laughs> income, uh, some kind of stream. And, and creatively, I, I'm getting a little into the videos. I need to push that more, but um, I want to push that more. But... Uh, but basically, I sent a piece to Art Basel last year, and it sold. I sent one piece, and it sold. Oh, great. So I'm like, okay, obviously, there's a, there's a market for this. And um, uh, oftentimes, people do want to commission a headpiece for performers. You know, a lot, of, a lot of performers reach out to me. But the truth is, I don't really do work that fits with a performer's budget. Like, people don't... <laughs> it's like, oh, I want one of these headpieces. It's like, well, yeah, I mean... I do too. That's why I'm making them myself because I can't afford to buy one. Uh, hey, so uh, Halloween's coming up. Can, can you like make this uh, dress for me for forty dollars? <laughs> this is the struggle. The time, the time, and the materials. I, and, like, oh, I, so I do leather, and I had a friend was like, "I want to be Daenerys Targaryen for Halloween. Can oh. you make this for me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, if you give me like." Seven hundred dollars. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. I'll let you continue. No, no. But on the other hand, if some in the art market, if someone is buying it as a piece of art, suddenly the price tag fits. So um, that's a that's a whole other opportunity. And so you know, honestly, and and then it also opens up a different direction because I've been wanting to do this for many many years, which is kind of create basically a bust with a, with a headpiece, like create a whole, a sculpture essentially. So it's the headpiece, it's on some kind of figure or, or just a mannequin head that's all tied in. So that's like a whole exciting other direction that I've been interested in, so. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually surprised now that I'm thinking about it that more of your work hasn't been featured in like music videos for artists. I just remember I was, um, scooping out scoping out not scooping out ooh, scoping out um the different because actually lady gaga has been featuring a lot of as queer artists that i sort of know through the grapevine um because I, I i know i don't know him but i know of him um there's a person that used to do the costuming for miss fame and she's been featuring a lot of them i'm surprised that um artists in that ilk haven't like sought you out yet for your incredible headpieces. Well, I'm also very glad to have seen it in such icons as Madonna and Jennifer Hudson mm -hmm. and a little known uh, obsession of mine, the magnetic field, which <laughs> was very important to me in the early 2000s. Yeah. So I'm, I was very glad to have 
seen you popped up, just like other Obviously. fairies, you know? Like, it's just nice that we're speckled in there. And I feel like the world is having this, like, disconscious, semi-unconscious, radical fairy moment where we could thank some of our elders for when they've been in, you know, like folks who I've had the great uh, uh, honor and joy to share fairy witch camp table time and conversation time or cuddle time or whatever time. So it's just great to see like that folks that were getting that undercurrent yeah. there in such, uh, in such a large capacity. Mm-hmm. I, I think too, like that's a really good point, Jeremy. And I'm hoping that that is a direction that the industry is going. Obviously COVID sort of threw a wrench into things, but it seemed like rather than just taking inspiration from queer artists like yourself, people started to actually pay them <laughs> for their work <laughs> rather than just ripping yeah. them off. Um, and mm-hmm. that was a that was really refreshing to see yeah. that like, hey, if you want this stuff, don't rip me off pay me and pay me a, a fair amount of money. Right. Um, and it seemed like some people that did have the resources to, 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 to put out the cash were doing that. So hopefully that's a direction that, that that's going. Right. So we are going to take a very short break and we are going to return with more Daryl Thorne. Me, 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 me. Don't let me pass you by. And uh, as y'all well know, I recently took a road trip across mountains, across plains, across rivers, and it seems that Daryl has as well. Climb every mountain. So, uh, I mean, uh, Wyoming was very, and New Mexico and uh, Ohio can be very. So... I wanted to kind of just like connect on that road tripping thing. It is it was my first time, Daryl, but it seems you have um you have taken some road trips and what what does it mean to you? Do you do it cuz you have to shake it off? Do you do it cuz an opportunity comes, et cetera, et cetera? What what has road tripping been and done uh, for you? I will tell you. The the uh I recently just went on this 7 week one which was the second but the first one was two years ago and i did two two full months i drove from brooklyn to san uh, to la and back um over the course of two months and and honestly it was i don't know the, the idea just kind of popped into my mind i was like oh i should just drive somewhere i don't have gigs booked right now and then it really as i meditated on a little bit i part of it was really that i wanted to reconnect with America and, and try to figure out, I don't know, I just had this sense that like I wanted to go into America and see what was going on and, and try to yeah. understand like how can, what's happening and um, so that was definitely a big part of the impetus for it. Yeah. And then the actual journey, you know, was just, it was incredible. It was absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but but that's basically kind of how it started. Mm, yeah, yeah. I um, I got some deeply emotional catharsis after this one because I think of 
you know, and I think this is a hopefully a helpful transition to the to the states we're in presently and the perspectives that different kinds of uh, uh, rights, I could just consider them rights or like long form events if you want to be artistic about it or like these are pilgrimages. And mm. I also wanted, I wanted something else that wasn't the TV telling me to hate poor white trash because I come from poor white yeah. trash. Right. I didn't want the perspective of... Uh, discompassionate why can't they just i'm like i would need to see and i need to connect and i need to have conversations with people around me that aren't just this urbanite intellectualized super overeducated thing that is the hive of urban life so we did this two weeks and it was very enriching it was troubling i had so much compassion for people where like the whether it's the creativity or the economic uh, medievalism of just big mines, farms, all these very old ancient forms that still exist. You could be a Russia and you could be in Nebraska or Wyoming or a part of Africa and have a similar structure going on. And that perspective may not come to people unless you're in it. Right. You know? That's actually, I have a, a, a question in regards to that, actually. So uh, just to piggyback off what you said, Jeremy. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's really important for anyone to sort of experience the, the, like, the vastness of types of people in the United States. And I actually had this thought um, yesterday where I, you know, I've, <laughs> in quarantine, I've been playing some online video games and it tends to like run the vast expanse of of people and there, it tends to also like when you're using microphones people tend to not use some very savory language especially some homophobic language mm. and i just thought to myself you know it's actually kind of a, a position of privilege and although i grew up working class i i grew up with educated parents who you know they're part of the progressive labor party they were fairly enlightened about these types of subjects and they were able to illuminate on me good ethics. Um, but for for those that might not have access to that, they could fall on the wayside and 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 start to indulge in uh, more homophobic, racist uh, rhetorics just because of their their lack of 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 privilege of education. So my question for Daryl, actually, I, I swear this ties into this interview, <laughs> is um, uh-huh. being sort of this larger than life character. Um, have you ever encountered like just like maybe you were had a performance, someone booked you, but it just like was not what like you you had an experience with people that just didn't get it. Or didn't want to get it, or didn't or weren't in a position that they had enough exposure to this type of queer artistry to like understand your kind of field. Hmm. I'm gonna say not so much. Uh, not so much. I mean, the only thing that really well, and I guess there are moments when I've been booked. But it's actually a totally different, uh, it's a totally different demographic, but sometimes very wealthy people mm. uh, can really lack imagination and, and they just don't, there, there's something about uh, wealth and, and that, uh, 
class where I think obviously individuality is like is not celebrated. Right. It's, yeah. It's, like, it's a problem. And not only that, but but just showing appreciation or showing showing excitement or curiosity, those are not really those are kind of weaknesses. So the, mm -hmm. that's one example where I could be at, you know, some, some event and, and the, the people just don't really seem to get it or don't yeah. respond and that's just annoying. But, you know, whatever. It's like, it's actually really kind of tragically sad because you realize that that, that really is part of the, the trap of, of any particular group. But, but really the trap of wealth is that you, you know, there's a very specific ways to behave. And um, so that, that kind of manifests there. But yeah. in terms of, I mean, I would much rather, you know, it's great. I need those gigs to like pay the rent and whatever, but I'm much more interested and inspired to show, you know, to have people in middle America, for instance, be my audience. I would so, and that that's one thing that I've really that's like a, one of my little dreams is to kind of be a, a traveling little circus freak show and, and take it out there um, to people who really aren't exposed and who really, you know, okay, they have drag race now. And so people have that great, uh, but there's, you know, to kind of show other, other possibilities. Um, but that's very much where I came yeah. from, from, um, Missouri and Arkansas and Alaska and, and very super fundamental religion um, and a very kind of limited uh, perspective on things and being on the the road trips it's like um, it's so strange because the minute I get outside New York and and I get back in America it's like oh right I feel it's this kind of dual um, situation because I feel totally at home. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly. This is this is where I'm from. Like everything, yeah. and on the other hand, everything is nothing's changed. Everything is the same. It all feels the same. Nothing changed uh -huh. since, since high school. It's like <laughs> the same radio station. Oh same my god, B104. That's for me. I'm it's, Pennsylvania, it's, so <laughs> there's such a small the the possibilities just immediately shrink down yeah. and it and mm -hmm. time as bizarre as it is it feels very normal because that's how i grew up and that's how yeah that's just how it is out there it, it's yeah. so it's fascinating and and troubling and sad and beautiful in some weird way yes i love the point that you made about like rich people because it's about people not desiring to be exposed a lot of the time not desiring to sort of have experiences outside of their bubble um which is what is unfortunate about i think a lot of the country is that it's not about their lack of desire but their lack of um uh access um but yeah i love that i love the idea of of wanting to get more in touch with uh, middle america rather than just patronizing the ones that can shell out like the the dough so yeah. to speak yeah, yeah indeed and you know what's interesting daryl and i just thought of this is that you know i'm such a history nerd i just got howard sins people's history and that's my libra season reading and i just really feel like 
We've had so much movement around the United States and North America, some of it forced by poverty, some mm-hmm. of it forced by war, some of it forced by religious manifest destiny. But wouldn't it be interesting if the new migration is that all of us super diversified, experienced queer folk, uh, uh, progressive folk, these real warriors, it's like the point is to not... Um, escape from the city, escape yeah. to the cities from the small places, but we're going to go and just see the whole damn country because whether it's affordability or whether it's some sort of deep mission mm-hmm. that it, everything's tilted, everything's tilted. You have to escape to a city in order to be safe. And now that the cities may not be safe in a world where now the the suburban uh, the suburban uh, housing plants are called condos okay. in the city, right? That what what if that's a thing? I'm just gonna leave it there unless you have your own reflections on there. But what if it's a reverse immigration now? What if we we start is. to take the farms is. back? We start to take the small yeah. towns back. We start to hold space for all our baby queer and baby unicorn creatures of the other generations and the lost folks that are out there in the islands. I just have this weird feeling about that dynamic. Yeah. You know? I do think that's, I mean, it's actually literally happening, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, and maybe like all movements, it's not, it's not, it's something you'll see in retrospect, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I support it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm only, I, I think it's great. I, but I could participate by getting a little wagon and just taking long road trips and pollinating all over. I can have a trade. I mean, like in theater history, there was like, they literally like, you know, they had like Commedia dell'arte that traveled all around Italy. And then there's those in the highly religious medieval period, generally they had those mystery plays where everyone was telling these fables. And we still had those like all American Western wagon shows and, and tent shows and taking those back towards uh, um, an enlightening and enlivening and empowering thing is something I'm very interested in. Now I also like, I don't know if I can handle Alaska or Nebraska or or Arkansas. Oh, maybe I thought you without were a tribe. About the Queens. <laughs> no, especially from my perspective, I'm really talking about the states. I promise you, but it does sound poetically great. Alaska, Nebraska, I just can't and Arkansas. Alaska anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> too cold, too stiff, too whatever. Yeah, I said it, Sam. This is what you get. This is what you get, Sam. But on a more light and love note. So, Daryl, we have prepared for our illustrious guests a Vogue, like a New York or a Vogue uh, YouTube style rapid fire. 13 questions if you are interested in taking part. Okay. We do this with all of our guests. Do I have to vote? All of our celebrity guests. It's just a rapid fire thing. Are you ready? I'm ready. To be questioned. Ready. I'm ready. Yes. So excited. Okay. First one. Favorite texture book right now? Favorite texture book. Well, I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. The Splendid and the Vile, which is really great. It's Eric Larson. It's Churchill bombing of England. 
And uh, so far, totally fascinating. Churchill, did you know that Churchill took two baths every day, no matter what, even when like being bombed, he insisted wow. on two baths a day. And his favorite choice of undergarment, pink silk. How about that? That'll we have it. so much in I've been common. enjoying my yeah. I've been enjoying my my pink underpants. Pink oh. is a very soothing color. That mm -hmm. sounds wonderful. Number two, present guilty pleasure. Uh, same as always, pints of ice cream. A pint of ice cream mm -hmm. flavor. Well, chocolate chip, mint, chocolate. Yes. It's sugar free. It's a whole thing. It's oh really yes. Yeah. You were, are, you you queen, no, are you a Halo it's, Top Queen? No, are you a Halo Top Queen? It's so delicious, and it is actually so delicious. That's the brand, and it's truly on point. It's amazing. Yeah, it sounds oh. sounds delicious. I'll have to try them. Um, we'll have to exchange. I've been really into popsicles lately, and I found this brand called Good Pop, Chef's Kiss. They are the finest popsicles out in the land. Coconut Bliss is is my. Uh, is my emotional not getting any eating fun time. So I'm totally there with you, Daryl. Thank you for confessing uh -huh. your ice cream, your ice cream uh, indulgence. Okay, uh, a favorite performance destination or venue that comes to mind? A favorite performance destin, like that I've done? I mean, yeah. the yeah, oh, either the venue or the locale. I'm going to say Ageha in Tokyo. It's the oh, largest wow. nightclub in Asia. Ageha. <gasps> I went with Suzanne Barsh and, and Muffinhead and Amanda Lepore and John Tay and fabulous people. And it was very fabulous. And the, the size of it is insane. And our dressing room, our dressing room had two floors, a full bar with a bartender and a jacuzzi. In the dressing room. Ooh, that was fabulous. a. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's yeah. A, st a step yeah. up from the um yeah. from the uh, yeah. uh, dis uh disabled bathroom, right? It is true. In the green room, it's a disabled bathroom and some okay. underground Manhattan broom closets and <laughs> every other place. Yeah. 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 Um. A surprisingly delightful job opportunity you never thought would happen. Uh, a surprisingly delightful job opportunity I never thought would happen. I feel like there's so many. There's so many of those. Hmm. Favorite. Favorite. Yeah. Oh. You can give your top three if you have to. Yeah, top three. Oh. Well, this is not true, but the. The Madonna mask, definitely, that was a, I never thought it would happen. And it, but delightful is not the right adjective. <laughs> but, but it was awesome. It was delightful bad. is not a word I would associate with yeah, Madonna. Uh, no, I wouldn't call it delightful. Um, delightful, delightful. I just recently, I did a thing at a library in New Jersey putting headpieces on queer youth. Like Aww. they were like little and adorable. That was fucking delightful. That was like, it just delighted every bit of me. And actually there's a, a, a clip of, I don't think she identifies as queer, but there's a clip of a young girl named Star in, in my, uh, on my Instagram. She's wearing my, my unicorn headpiece 
and there's this little video of her. And if you need like a boost to your day, I recommend watching it. It's just like an affirmation. We'll link it to our Instagrams. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. That was amazing. Yes, yes. Come on, unicorn work throughout the world. Um, an adulting annoyance, either of being an adult or being adult watching children and the youth be youth. Oh, an adulting annoyance. Um, I'm never, I, I, I'm not, I've never annoyed watching a youth. Well, unless we're talking about like, adult youth. <laughs> if we're talking about children, I'm not annoyed. If we're talking yeah. about, like, you know, other ages, annoyances might come up, old fart moments, you know. Um, but uh, what's an adult annoyance? Like adult diapers? I don't wear those yet, but I that's, presume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something that's called adulting that maybe you do or something that you found that is Annoying. I mean, like, 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 I don't know. I'm answering questions like this. You can skip it. I know. You can totally, you could totally pass. I don't have a good one. In 50 years, we'll come back to you and we'll, we'll, we'll catch up about that, that, the potential of adult diapers. And Stan will still be at least 10 years younger than both of us. (laughs) All right. uh, What's most annoying about getting into the full fantasy? Annoying? Yeah, like yeah. what? What's like if you could have one thing that you have to do when you get into your geesh, and it would, you it would just be done already. Like it would be done yeah. done instantly. You wouldn't have to worry about it. What would it be? That I would just be on time, no matter what. The most wow. annoying thing <laughs> is there's never enough time, and I'm always always late. So but I'm further getting into the the garb. Change that. Historically, I've had a problem with lateness. That's not going to be going for it. No, but that that definitely, like, the fact that there's always a time limit, that's my biggest annoyance. Yeah. Snap my fingers, I would just have all the time I needed. But, of course, if I had all the time I needed, I would literally never stop. I well, but if you could do this, see, it's a catch-22, because if you could just snap your fingers and be there, you'd be like, oh, I'll snap my fingers in 10 minutes. They'll understand if I'm a little late. <laughs> So you'd still it's, be it's, like it's, it's the mag- <laughs> it's the magical mystery of 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 linear time and when like I'm sorry when a creature a feature creature earlier, yeah I, I, I had to unclog my sink I needed yeah. to uh, clean my refrigerator and my dog my friend was walk. going through it my lashes were not working I was, out I was on the side they the were made of uh, yeah show. I, I got like, glitter in my eye. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, what is your favorite? Who are your? Who is your favorite musical artist or genre that's in your ear? Um, well, let's see. Right now, yeah. um, just discovered. Well, I just discovered the Raw Band. Now they're old, but I don't know. They came up on my Spotify. I have to say, I love I'm Spotify. Re- it's they're really doing a good job of suggestions for me whatever their algorithm is it's very sophisticated and smart and it's like is things that somebody they want me to buy it feels like oh wow this is some weird little artist that thanks it's like really great it's expanding my my music uh world so the raw band r-a-h yes magical 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 okay favorite 
a fellow queer performer or queer collective performance queer crew. Oh, queer collective. Yeah. Or, so either or, or both. Yeah. Queer collective, queer performer. A colleague or group who is inspiring you at the moment. At the moment. Oh, at the moment. Well, that's, at the moment, I'm, I'm lacking inspiration, to be totally honest. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. It's real. I, you know, I'm like, I'm seeking inspiration, but, but I'm finding that there's almost too much visual inspiration. I actually think that's mm. kind of the problem, is that during, mm. this, during this time, I've, I've, I'm spending a lot more time looking at, and I actually don't, I actually think it's, it's not supporting like my own, my own thing. But, um, but in terms of like, just people that I think are brilliant, I mean, like my my kind of performance art heroes, Julie Atlas Muse and Horace yeah. Taylor Mac. I mean, and yeah. all the people, all all the people that were kind of uh, surrounded by in New York. Um, yeah. but those those are people that I think of in like my kind of going back to early early days. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow, that you can do that. Like you can. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really like mind exploding um, influences, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We love Love mind exploding influences on Fairly Queer Podcast. We do. Love Judy. Love Taylor. Uh, I feel like they're a parallel alien creature to my own self. Uh, Okay. Favorite plant? Favorite plant? Well, I'm looking at my corn plant and I don't want to speak ill of Aww. I mean, she's great. She she's great. I, do I don't like remember it. eating corn. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I don't even know the name of this plant. So on my road trip, uh, the first road trip two years ago, I went on this little detour. I ended up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Yeah. And, and there was like kind of an abandoned research facility and I drove away up and I was like in the middle of nowhere on this mountaintop and it was amazing and I did a naked photo shoot, it was incredible. And then I found these little scrubby little things growing. I don't know what it is, but it's like a very small little scrubby type of, (laughs) it looks like a windswept bonsai tree and the roots Mm. grow, it kind of like lays on the surface. Yes, high altitude. Yes, and it's super lightweight and beautiful. And I was like, ooh, and I just plucked, I picked, I was like, no, those are dead, right? And I kind of convinced uh-huh. myself that they were, and there, by the way, there were millions of them growing in every direction. But as I collected a few, I had this sense, like I'm alone up on the, in the and I was like, I kind of feel like I'm pillaging and stealing from nature. And I feel like this, I'm gonna get in some kind of trouble up here. Mm-hmm. From the earth, anyway. Ah, yeah, it was like I had a whole moment of like I don't. I think I'm being too greedy now. Uh-huh. I, so whatever. I collected them. Nothing horrible happened. I got back. I made some incredible headpieces. Yes. And on my recent road trip, I was. I went way up. Actually, a ferry told me about a hot spring in Colorado, radium hot spring. And I went up there and I had this whole adventure and I got lost and all these things happened. But then I saw that same plant 
and I scooped up some more and then I got very lost and I fell down the mountain and I had a whole thing. So anyway. It's revenge of the plan. I mean, I. The revenge of uh, high altitude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's rarity. They say when you go to Mount Chast and you get up above 7,000 feet, like you can't. And same thing with like Sedona. When you're in those very delicate yeah. volcanic mm-hmm. or ancient stuff. All that, all that scrub is like keeping everything intact. Oh, so dear. I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's very intuitive of you, Daryl. Very <laughs> witchy. All right, next one. Destination you must go to when quarantine officially ends. Oh, well, I mean, traveling. I, I, I desperately. I mean, the next like big travel. I, I want to go to Africa. I yeah. Go to the East. Those are like the big, like epic next dream destinations. Shorter term, I just want to go to the freaking sauna. I miss the sauna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I agreed. miss the sauna, the steam room. Um, yeah. Do you have? Oh, do you have Steamworks. a? Uh, <laughs> wow, Sam! Now you're starting to sound like me. <laughs> uh, favorite, uh, most iconic or favorite uh, look. The one that you love to be, uh, the, the one that brings you happiness. A look you go back to. It's like, yeah, yeah, that look. Um, I did a, a kind of a dragonfly. It was a drag on fly. Yes. For, for um, Invasion of the Pines many years ago. Mm. And it was just, it was really, it was a good look. It was good. The colors, everything. It was like mm, it's so appropriate. All us cherry grovers. Yeah. Going out to the bars like, hey, hey, all y'all, hey, all y'all, scruffy muscle hoes, queens are coming. Look at us, boop, boop, boop. I, I mean, it's a whole like little inner narrative for me. But thank you for that. I love that. I know it. It's. A gorgeous, and of course, it's nature. What exactly. more stunning inspiration than yeah. Earth Mother herself? There really isn't anything more stunning. Yeah. That's uh, sort of why I I, I stopped pa- painting because I was like, I can't produce anything that's more beautiful than what's already out the window. <laughs> so right. I transitioned it. into yeah. things that you could wear instead because. You know, sometimes, I mean, you're breaking the mold. You're making things out of driftwood. But for me, it's like, you know, I can't, it gets a little bit itchy when you're making clothes out of stuff in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, it's very ancient, though. It's taking us back to it a deep is. place way yes. back in our the old indigenous people DNA. wearing uh, leaf skirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And when we're all indigenous, we're all 10,000 years from someplace on this earth. Our mm-hmm. DNA says so. Okay. Um. Do you have a favorite myth or mythology? Um, I mean, for some reason, I'm very drawn. I always have loved Medusa. Yeah. Like, I like from that minute, I just remember I was just like, obsessed with Medusa. Mm-hmm. And I still am. And um, I actually was like, maybe there's nothing going on for Halloween this year. I'm not doing anything. I'm not working. Maybe I'll like make some epic Medusa moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, aside from that, um, I just read Achilles, Song of the Song of Achilles, Madeline Miller. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. 
And I had no, I really didn't know a thing about Achilles. Um, but that's a great book, and that that's a great one. And yeah, then, and this and her Circe did it for me. Yes, I love that as oh, well. Yeah, I know. What is it? What is it about these super, super bold, fiery eyed, Kali-esque Medeas and Medusas yeah. and yeah. all of these sorceresses and goddesses gone on the edge? It's just the best. If you're looking for a real wild ride, right now I'm reading the uh, Metamorphosis by Ovid. Yes, the Metamorphosis <laughs> by by the on and off favorite of Roman emperors, sometimes subversive, sometimes perfectly clever. Ovid, Opera History 101. I don't, I'm, I'm putting a, I'm putting it in my little list because I don't know. <laughs> oh. It's really good. I, I haven't finished it yet. I think um, the story of, um, which is my favorite, talk about my favorite myth. Now this podcast is about me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, my favorite myth is, uh, the, is um, about, um, uh, Narcissus, because mm -hmm. the daffodil is my favorite flower. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the story of Narcissus is in Metamorphosis. I haven't gotten yeah. there yet, though. But the beginning is, like, super cool. It's about, like, the creation of the universe and how, like, they had to create man because they needed someone to be horrible. <laughs> but even though the gods would prefer to just like hang out with like the fairies and the the, the satyrs, they're just like, well, we need to create humans because someone. The the, the deities, the superhumans, can be pretty rotted too. I mean, if you know yeah. what Zeus did in some of those tales, if you know Apollo, just like me tooing Daphne, uh uh, uh uh, that shit don't go forward in 2020, Apollo. Honey, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. Thank you. Favorite myth. What a what a great blossoming. And the last one, lucky number thirteen. Mm -hmm. The biggest joy in your daily life at present. Mm -hmm. Biggest joy in my daily life at present um, is is that I really have time now to just look at the trees outside my window. I mean go to Central Park mm. and, and really just kind of luxuriate in, in, in time and in like having time to just take time. And, um, and when I'm doing that, it's amazing. And when I'm not doing that, if I start going about like- In a spiral. I, then I freak out. But it's like, if you just kind of go be, um, so that's it, being. The greatest joy in my day is just being. How about that? That is very poetic. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. I think that's a wonderful way to wrap up this well, I, episode. I do, of have, Good. <gasps> I do have Sam. one more thing because we did ask this question ahead that, too, and I like to. Okay. When we have guests like Daryl on, I always like to preface the end of the podcast with this question because I think it's important to have the perspective of artists and performers about what they think or what their what they think the future holds and what their hopes are for the yeah. future after covid because it's really it's shaken the it's shaken you know everything up and it's really been very disruptive to a lot of our queer performing artists uh because they can't perform in the way that they used to so yeah. i'm hoping that after all of this is said and done there is a renaissance of 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 art um particularly with uh, people taking 
more more care in queer performing art spaces and bars because it's something that they was taken away from them Mm -hmm. rather than something that just diminished because of the internet you know we've seen a lot of these places close these queer meeting places close just because you know people can meet others on online now but now people do not like things being taken away from them they like making the decision to let them go on their own so do you think that there's going to be a renaissance after this what are your hopes and uh projections for queer performing arts going forward in a post-covid world i mean I, I honestly I don't I don't know what any about any projections I really don't I mean I do think obviously that things are are going to shift and I mean particularly in the city I'm mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see because you know of course um, the city it's all about the cost and space and accessibility right. and all those things. and surely there's going to be a shift in that but we haven't really seen it yet as far as I know like uh, lots of spaces are 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 opening up lots of people are leaving lots of businesses are leaving so I would think that that means that things will become more available but I've spoken to some people and they're like no no it's not it doesn't matter that like the cost of things won't really change because the money will will still be here so I'm not I'm not exactly sure but um if I mean I, that's one kind of hope is that there would be there would be access to space in a different way so that mm. people can um, you know can create something that w- without having millions of dollars or whatever yeah um, you know like I, I was I kind of I went to Prague uh, several maybe ten years ago and there was this incredible like underground you know, uh, not hedonistic, but but yes, that too. But it was very much. Um, it felt like I imagine New York might have been like in the in the eighties or something. Yeah, lots of art happening underground, just spontaneous people just making shit happen wherever and whenever. And I mean, that would be kind of a dream. Like that would be the if if there is some kind of um, really difficult financial fallout um something that good that could happen is that people could could just have a little bit more freedom in like how they make make work and where and and i also think it might change the quality uh not like better quality but just a different maybe more spontaneous more like rough around the edges a different perspective different perspective Yeah. yeah um so so I, yeah, let's see what happens. I mean, what I what I'm not super excited about is all of the online stuff. I mean, I know Saturation. I'm glad it's an option. Saturation I'm glad and filtering and what is all that really off camera? I'm really <laughs> serious about that. Like, who are you off camera when everyone's getting these facades? But Right? right? What do you do person to person, whether we're at that point or not? Right. And I don't know. I think I think even if the, the trend really continues that way, meaning uh, post pandemic, like people are, are maybe even more, you know, they they have a hard time. People don't want to gather as much as they whatever. 
I don't actually think that will happen. But even if yeah. that does happen, there's always the opportunity to create your own thing and to go your own way. And there will always be an audience of people who want to gather um, in a room and watch someone do something. And yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of the joy of it. Yes. And hopefully Absolutely. someday we will all be able to gather in a room and watch someone do something. Yeah. I look forward to that day, Daryl. I look forward yes, to I look forward to being in the same place and watching you sparkle as as you do. Yes, maybe as if Fairy Witch Camp isn't canceled next time, I'll be able to go there and watch <sighs> you do something. Yeah, That's and then you can watch me do something. I would. Love <sighs> yes, yes. Well, Daryl, I want to be the first to show my appreciation and thank you so much. For being with us, for giving your wisdom, your experience, your road trip tips on how to maybe not pluck high altitude plants, but if you're <laughs> going to do it, do it for art. Um, and please let us know. Besides, uh, tell us your website. Yeah, how your, can people your social you and find yeah, you? Yeah, connect with you and support you. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, my website is just my name, DarylThorne.com, with uh, an e, with an e. D-A-R-R-E-L-L-T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, Thorn Daryl. I'm on TikTok with the kids. Wow. Which I'm actually yes, a work. It. It's really weird. Um, yeah. But I think I'm Thorn Daryl on there as well. And uh, yeah. Wow. That's it. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much thank for you. joining us today on a fairly queer podcast. This is Sam. You can also find me at Nukemouth on Instagram. You can find Jeremy at HandsomeJeremy777 on Instagram. Please support Jeremy's Patreon as well. He needs the money because he's yes, also a performer true. and he needs some cash flows. Um, yeah. Is there any way people supporting you in that way as well, Daryl, while um, there's sort of this performance drought as well? I'm not sure if you have any particular offerings or things like that i don't i don't have anything set up but i'm i'm currently revamping my my website to mm -hmm. get like a more focused thing so i will i will create some kind of patreon or some or just to you know send uh, one of those time. things where um yeah just send him money send him money just send him money send, please send just your, send your, him money queer artist you could do um right those things like um where you pay like people pay you to to say stuff to them. What is it called? Oh, oh cameo. Cameo. I want to get one from like from. I, I, I want to get one from Elvira real bad. Yeah. Just saying. I need to be famous for that to work, but oh, I I think uh, uh like an OnlyFans with with um just like a really weird OnlyFans where you. Dress up and put paint on things. That could be fun. Yes. I'm I think I think I think fan fantasy art celebrating body, soul, queerness, and all the colors and all the sparkles would be brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. So just do keep track of Daryl and all of his future projects and endeavors. Support queer artists throughout the world and uh, we will see you next time on a fairly, fairly, a fairly early, uh huh, fairly.
they really, they really, really, they, fairly queer. It's a podcast, podcast. where two fairies discuss fairly topics that are clearly queer and queerly clear. Sam, you got it right, and I haven't. Great. You never you got, got it right. You haven't star. gotten it right a single time, and we've been doing this podcast for almost a year yeah. and a half. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Daryl. You are Thank a wonderful, you. magical unicorn creature, and we will see you all next time. See you later. Bye.